function in its proper place I think COVID taught us this when we all lost our taste when you lost your taste I don't know if I did or not because I gained weight anyhow but to those that lost your taste it was a little bit frustrating because you couldn't taste things you enjoyed so much but Jesus gives us a, he knows all things when he tells us to him that hath an ear let it let it hear if I don't use the functionality of what God's given me I'm glad we got our taste back for most but more than I lost taste or if you lost taste I don't want to ever lose my ability to hear. And then not only hear, but the word obedience comes from a Greek word which means hupo, stasis, or it means under hupo, hypo, stasis, hearing. So the word obedience means is I come under what I hear. So two components, I hear, but then I come under what I hear in the form of obedience. 
And if there's anything we need in this hour more than anything in this world, it's not fancier churches and fancier buildings and fancier lifestyles or fancier anything. It's the ability to hear the voice of God and to come under what God is telling us to do. Because you hear me, and I'm using this simple analogy. If we lost our taste by COVID, you hear me. There's a spiritual ramification for the losing of hearing in the spirit. And it's an epidemic. As the Lord spoke very clearly to me a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago. The greatest value, greatest commodity you and I could ever have, ability, talent, I don't know how you put your own adjective on it, is the ability to hear the voice of God in the midst of shiny days or dark days. I'd much rather hear from somebody that's heard from God. You can tell I've been out of the pulpit a little bit. You got your Bibles, John chapter 5. Very familiar passage of Scripture. <clears throat> Last night, the Lord spoke to my heart and began to help me to see this <clears throat> in a different, different light. John chapter 5, verse 1. Media, if you want to have it ready, I'm going to go to John chapter 1, verse probably 13, but really 14 is what I'm after. We'll start with 13. John chapter 5 and verse 1. And there was a feast of the Jews. Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda. Having five porches, the word Bethesda, it means house of mercy, but really it means house of grace. The root, the deeper root meaning of it, if you pull it up topically, you'll find mercy, but deeper study shows it means gracious or to be grace or to have grace. Having five porches, the word five numer numer numerically means grace as well. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in and was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. A certain man was there which had an infirmity 38 years. Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case. And he said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The man said, Him, sir, I have no man. And the water is troubled to put me in the pool, but while I'm coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, walk. Immediately the man was made whole, took up his bed, and walked. And on the same day, it was the Sabbath. John chapter 1, verse 13 which were born not of the blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God's Spirit, that is born of the Spirit. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. But notice the last part. Full of grace and truth. Speaking of Jesus, is full of grace. You've got a man here that is around five porches, a pool, and Jesus shows up. Five meaning grace, Bethesda meaning grace, Jesus full of grace. I want to preach to you this morning, surrounded by grace. If you would, lift your hands and ask God to talk to us today. Jesus, help us today. Lead our hearts and minds and spirit today. 
Help us, Lord, in our heart. Prepare us to receive your word today, Lord. Let it be profitable for whosoever hath an ear to hear. God, let the hearing today be heightened in sensitivity to what the Spirit is trying to tell us as a church and a body. In Jesus' name we pray. God bless you. You may be seated. This, this text is a, a very, as I said before, familiar passage. We've, we've read it. We've heard it preached from the pool of Bethesda. But I, wanted, I want us to start at the beginning of what took place here with, with this particular man. Find media for me, John 5 and 1. And you, you, you have a man here that is of an infirmity. The word infirmity in the original uh, Greek for the New Testament is referring to weakness. We always immediately think a sickness, and rightfully so it is the case here with, with him. But you can have a spirit of infirmity and not necessarily be sick. You can just be weak. And here is this man that has a spirit of infirmity that has been waiting for a long time for the miraculous. He's been waiting for 38 years for something to come to light. He's been waiting patiently. We see a lot of the parallels, New Testament and Old Testament. You hear a lot of, if you don't, hopefully you hear a lot of preaching with the Old Testament connecting to the New Testament. The book of beginnings in Genesis. But, but you can find a, a similar parallel here with the children of Israel. that When they came out of Egypt, and they, they're walking now into the land of promise. Uh, the Bible talks about them wandering for 38 years or ultimately 40. But the Bible talks about it in Deuteronomy 2.14. It says 38 because they had a marked number that God was waiting for. And the Bible says for all of them to die off. All of those that opposed the miraculous or opposed what God was trying to do. I mean, let me help somebody from the very beginning. Unbelief is a killer to your faith. Unbelief is almost like a cancer that wants to eat on the people of God's mind and heart while you wait, saying that God will never come through for you. God will never do what He said He will do. God can't perform it because you're dealing with human will. You hear me. God has a way of arresting that human spirit and bringing it under the captivity and the power of the Spirit of God. I believe if God can get a hold of a Saul of Tarsus on his way to kill another child of God, then God can get a hold to your drunk son, to your adulterous son, to your whatever it is in your son and daughter God can get a hold of them because we're surrounded by the grace of God in an hour that we need it more than ever I'm coming after something this morning I'm after that unbelief that wants to eat away at the mind of God's people God didn't give you and I grace for us to abuse it or just kind of just set it on a shelf and say, that's for the charismatics or that's for these or that's for these other people. If there's anybody that the grace of God is wanting to surround, it's the people of the name of Jesus. He didn't give you and I the revelation of his name for you and I to just sit idly by. But you got to realize I'm surrounded by a presence of grace that's able to do beyond what I can do. Somebody will get a hold of this this morning. It'll change your prayer. This little story is a glimpse because he's trying to show us as he was with the Old Testament and the children of Israel wandering for these 38 and 40 years waiting for the promise of what they 
waiting for whatever it was that God was going to give them and do for them. The promised land, their homes, their families, restoration, the hope of what it's all about. Folks, that's what Pentecost is. Today on Pentecost Sunday, that's what it's for. It's for us to understand there's a hope for you and I. There's a hope beyond just this world. There's a hope that's beyond just the last verdict you just got or the last bit of information you just got or the last phone call you just got. The problem is the waiting. I wish I had some church with me today. I hate waiting. I don't want to wait because my mind is stressed. It's fragmented. My emotions are shot. I can't take another step. But I'm waiting for something. Waiting for God to bring about what he promised. I'm waiting for God to bring my family. I dedicated my kids. I I prayed over them. I gave them everything I could to live for. And I'm waiting today. What I want you to hear is you're surrounded by grace even though you can't see it. Again, I'm not giving us license to trample over grace and say I can live a life like however I want. I'm preaching to saints of God today that you've been faithful in the midst of a valley. You've been faithful in the midst of a battle. You're trying to hang on with everything you got. God gave me a word for you today. You're surrounded by grace and it might not be the troubling of the waters, but Jesus will step in and do what you've never thought he could do. It's hard in the weight and the change. The children of Israel wandered for the 38 years. So here's what God does to help us in our wander. He let manna come. I love the story of manna, Micah, because here's why. Manna, Manna is totally supernatural. See, and God in the Old Testament was giving us a glimpse of what he can do supernaturally. Grace wasn't there yet. We're not in that dispensation. They were in the dispensation of law. Dispensation's a time frame, a season. And it did not end until Jesus Christ came. But he's given them a glimpse, Roger. A glimpse of what he can let go out of the heavens for a people that functions in the natural. It don't make any sense, manna. I'd rather, uh, it's not a matter of what I rather, it's a matter of what he gives me. And we become selective eaters. We become picky. Back in the day when you put it on the table, you ate it or you didn't eat. Oh, come on, mamas and daddies that are about 100 years old. You either put it on the table, you didn't eat, right, Brother Charlie? I bet your daddy come in and said, you're going to eat that spinach or you ain't getting no Fruit Loops tonight for cereal. There wasn't no Fruit Loops. That's what you call people. They made it cereal now. They don't do that no more, Sister Patty. If little Johnny don't want to eat, little Johnny gets some chicken nuggets. Come on, somebody. We're selective in what we want. Why oh, you think you got many, so many varieties of, yeah, they're trying to make money, potato chips. Back in the day, it was Cheetos and Lay's. That's it. Nowadays, you got Doritos with a taco and Doritos hot and Cheetos hot. Just plain, man. Keep it simple. 
But what it's caused in you and I, you say, well, you're being silly. No, 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 no. It's birthed a selectiveness in us that I can pick and choose what I want with such a broad variety. And we've taught that we brought that to the church now. I can pick and choose what I want to hear. I can pick and choose what I take. I'll take that because the preacher's right and it's in the word. But you know what? I'm going to take that other part and set it aside. That's not me right now. Somebody needs to hear me. There's a surrounding of grace around you and I. Not to take advantage of it, but let the miraculous flow out of it. Let me read that definition. I want to read it accurately. Word grace. We got so many definitions for it. Man tries to interpret it himself, and, and I've done it. Grace means joy, sweetness, grace of speech, pleasure. Here it is liberality. Grace was meant for you and I to do was to give us freedom. I'm not going to go into the whole deal. Today's Pentecost Sunday. You know what Pentecost Sunday is. Pentecost Sunday. Pentecost is every day. We do a special day and we're going to celebrate. But you know what? Pentecost is every day. But Pentecost is 50. The year of Jubilee. What it symbolized, Pentecost, 50 days out of they came out of Egypt, wandered. 50 days to Sinai. 50 meant freedom. Jubilee. Joy. That's why I'll never understand people that got the Holy Ghost and they ain't no joy. Something wrong with my Holy Ghost. You say, well, no, there ain't nothing wrong with the Holy Ghost. Here's the problem. It's me. It's me. I got something that's hanging on that ain't letting the Holy Ghost shine through me. But if I get a true dose of the Holy Ghost, enough that, that even Stephen, the Bible says, the Bible says Stephen, when he was being stoned, was full of the Holy Ghost. How can a person be stoned? How can people be burned at the stake and be full of the Holy Ghost and have joy? Let me tell you how they can have joy and make it through tribulation. They had enough of God's Spirit in them, and they knew how to let God's Spirit work through them. That the soulless arena wasn't going to govern my mind. It wasn't going to govern my emotions. It wasn't going to set the tempo for my day but I'm going to walk in the Holy Ghost today what are you saying preacher I'm saying this you might not talk in tongues every day but there should be a moment that you and I let a freedom of the Holy Ghost flow out of us and we speak in another language like we've never done before that's freedom where there's not a freedom in an individual it questions whether the Holy Ghost is there it questions it yeah, I got the fruits, but you need to remember that those fruits came from a spirit. And another sign of that spirit is you speak in another language that you ain't never spoke before. So the way I know I got that spirit is I speak in other tongues. I'm not making a doctrine on tongues, but I am making a doctrine on receiving the Holy Ghost. And the evidence that I got is I speak in other tongues. And here you got this fella. And sitting here at this pool, waiting, like the children of Israel, waiting for the manna to descend. Manna means, what is it? There's no clear definition. Coriander seed, white, fluffy, like a cloud, poof, blows away. I don't know. I ain't never seen manna, Brother Mike. But I know this. It was enough to come down for breakfast, lunch, and supper 
and a few quails that would fly in every once in a while. Thank you, Jesus, for quail. And a few quail that would fly in, and they could have a little bit of that every once in a while. But I believe that that manna was enough to sustain them for 40 years. And Joshua 5 says, but the manna ceased in verse 12. You ain't got to go there. I just quote it for you. It ceased. It ended in Joshua 5 and 12. And now they're faced with the change of what's next. And we're at a proverbial crossroads as the church. What's next? We're facing things we never faced before. I had a man just last night, another. I forget who he was talking to. I just know he's old. Old preacher. I don't remember who he was, but I talked to him. He said, I've never seen what I face, what you're facing when I pastor. He said, I've never seen it. He said, and I'll tell you what. He said, my hat's off to you. He said, because I don't know how I would handle what you're handling and what you've got to face. And we're blessed here. And yeah, y'all don't know nothing going on. But trust me, there's a whole lot of spiritual junk happening. And he said, you're facing stuff that there ain't no textbook for. Oh, there's a book and a word. We always quote it back. Yeah, and that preacher's good. But you hear me. You got to still get in it and dig and find the answer. And we're facing stuff that we don't know. And saints are facing things. And it's like, what's next? What's next? I'm preaching to people. You're waiting. You kind of got a turtle mentality. You don't stick your head out because you're about to get popped. So I'll stick my head in the shell. I'm just going to watch. I'm going to stay to myself because I'm never going to let nobody hurt me again. And you're at a what next second. And I'm here to tell you in the Holy Ghost, you're surrounded by grace. And you're looking for a formula to get you out of this deal. And God's saying, you don't understand. The King of Glory's in this place. I've manifested myself. To, Jesus was full of grace and truth. And when Jesus showed up to that man, he was one entity saying, I got you on this side. The five porches got you on that side. There's a pool of grace over here. That you're surrounded by grace. You can't go nowhere that the grace of God can't help you in whatever you're facing. Ain't nowhere you can go. The only thing that will stop the grace of God is when the dispensation changes and the grace of God will remove. The grace is for the church now in this hour. That's what Pentecost 50. And when the manna ceased, they're looking at now, where do I go? From here, where what's the next step for the supernatural? What's the next step that God's going to do for me and help me through what I'm facing? So, as we see the parallels of the old, let's fast forward now to our story. The Bible says on the very first verse of John, it says it was a feast. Everybody's having a party, and you're left out. Everybody's seeing the miracles, the blessing, the favor of God. Their family's moving in. See, because everybody's coming to Jerusalem together. Families are coming together. It was required by the law that all males, 20 and over, had to go to Jerusalem and report to the priest for the feast. Many people will question what feast were they talking about. A lot of them will say Passover. Some want to even jump in the tabernacle. They're all wrong. It's Pentecost. Because John chapter 7, I think verse 12, talks about the Feast of Tabernacles, which is the third of the main feasts. Pentecost is the second. Chronologically, this would mean this is Pentecost. And even many of the older writers, the original writers, say it's Pentecost. It's these new fancy commentaries that say it's Passover. 
So I said, they don't know. Stick to the old. It works. I wish I'd have got 10 amens right there. We don't need a fancy way of doing it. The same way of prayer and fasting, it works. If I keep doing what I know is right, God's able to manifest his grace for you and I. Everybody trying to get away from, from Pentecost. Everybody trying to get away from holiness. Everybody trying to get away from it to try to build churches and have numbers. I told y'all before, we could pack this place out in two weeks. All I got to do is quit preaching like I preach. You got people live right down the neighborhood won't come here. They'll go to another church a million miles away. Why? Because they loose as a goose. Y'all don't know what that is. Anything goes. You know what, Brother Roger? I don't need somebody to tell me what I can barely do to make it into heaven. I want him to say, well done. I want God to be proud of me. I want to do him my, my best service while I'm on earth and live like an ambassador of Christ, pleasing unto the Lord in my speech, my dress, my action, and where I go and what I do. That's old-fashioned preaching. I'm so glad God put me here with people that love that kind of preaching. Because I couldn't handle that, that, that Lucy stuff. It drives me crazy. I dwindled it down to five people. And it's the feast. Hear me. Everybody's having a party. It's Pentecost. It's Jubilee. It's freedom. This is why I believe the old commentaries. I believe it's Pentecost with them. Because what he's saying to them is grace was all around them, Brother Bush. You know, what's Pentecost? The day of Pentecost. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, Acts chapter 2, there came a sound of heaven. That's heaven rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. What took place? That was grace. It was like a portal of heaven opened up. A window of heaven. And the grace of God metaphorically was poured out on them and they all began to speak in another language that they had never known before that's supernatural that's what makes the church what it is you and I are just known not known by our holiness but we're known by being filled with the spirit baptized in the name of Jesus and in covenant with God everybody wants to fight well, I, don't, I can leave the, the spirit. I don't need that. It's not essential. I'd love to sit down in a Bible study with you and show you it's essential. It's not an option. I can take you from the old to the new if you give me a little time and I can prove it in the scripture. The Holy Ghost is essential. Baptism in Jesus' name is essential. Living holy and sanctified in the Lord. It's essential. It's not a Pentecostal denominational thing. It's not just something that because our station we're Pentecostal. It's not it. We have dumbed down conviction. And then we wonder why the grace of God's not working. He's trying to give us a picture here. When we respond to God by, by, by the littlest gesture, the grace of God comes to where you and I are in such a supernatural way. That's why I started today saying if you can just muster up I love you Jesus if you can you say well you're taken away from obedience no I'm not because I know if you can begin to love him and begin to follow him out of relationship obedience is easy I ain't got to beg you to live for God you live for him because you love him out of relationship
I've never been one of those preachers. From the very beginning, when God began dealing with me, Brother Joe, he showed me from the beginning it's about relationship. I never had to have Brother Ewan come to me, Brother Joe, and say, quit wearing that, quit acting that way, quit saying him cuss words, quit doing this, quit doing... I never had him to do that because I was so in love with God that it was like, God, whatever I can do, because I realized the benefit and the freedom. I was free from alcohol. I was free from my addictions of the world. And anything, hey, if you paid the price for my freedom, then Lord, it's the least I can do. If you don't want me to act that way, I'll gladly do it because I want to please you more than a relationship. He never had to tell me that. I just wanted to please God. But now there's another little thought process that's kind of interjected into that now. And here's a new thought process. Well, you just love Jesus in relationship to the extreme. I know Jesus, and that's good enough, okay? Then I'm going to give you an answer to that. The Bible says the devil believes there's one God in trembles. So if you just keep it at the level of just a believer, you're in the same category as Satan. I don't know about you, but he's wreaked enough hell in my family, in my health, in my fa my friends. I don't want to be nowhere associated with that joker. I want to show him what Calvary really did. And every time I live sacrificially, every time I live unto the Lord, every time I live with a relationship that I'm sold out for, the enemy gets a little bit more scared. That's why he's afraid of some of you. You've understood. I'm surrounded by grace, and I'm obedient at the same. So it's a feast. And everybody's having a party. And everybody's showing up. And here's the kicker, Sister Juanita. You got a fella that just ain't working that he can do that. And we got a harvest of people that's coming. And that is already here. They're crippled. They're bruised. They're broken. They don't walk like you and I walk. They walk crippled. Their minds, I told somebody the other day, I said, and you've heard me say this, I'll say it again though for somebody new. We ain't dealing with just a good old drunk. Put up your Jack Daniels and let's just live right. Put up your ACDC AC, CDs. Huh, come on, Sister Claudia. Blah, 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 blah. Put up your ACDC CDs. Put up your Metallica CDs. I wish we had that. We could just throw all that. Some of y'all don't know what I'm Y'all looking at me like I fell out of a tree. Y'all so old, all y'all know is Hank Williams or something, the real one, the one that dead 50, 100 years, whatever. I'm talking about people coming in with baggage. And back then, it was they threw their CDs on there and they threw their Marlboro or Camo. And, 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 they, and, and then we graduated. We started getting cocaine and marijuana. We graduated on our altars. We got fancier stuff now. We got some Coke and. But you know what we never get sometimes? It's just that honest heart that says, you know what? I might not be doing that, but I got some old junk in my heart that nobody knows about. Folks, it's all about us making heaven and making it a home. And God has surrounded us for grace. But what good's the surrounding of grace? You got this fella here, go to the next verse. He can't go to the he can't go to the feast. They're showing us this picture. It's, it's the same thing in the Old Testament with the manna and them in the wilderness. 38 years, here's this boy crippled. 
They wandered 38 years till things died. What he's trying to show us is, is we can be surrounded by grace and things not totally die in us. And here's God wanting to do the miraculous for my life and wanting to help me. But something in me is just not quite dead. And God wants to give it to me. That's why I really believe God wants to let some of these backsiders come home. But I'm worried. The reason they're not coming is, is if they walk in, you're going to preach to them again. Don't. They're going to come in crippled. They're going to come in all maimed. They're going to come in. And they don't need Indian Village talking about them. They don't need the one down the road and the one down here and the one down there saying, that's the same. I remember what they used to do. But the Bible says, for he that covereth a sin is wise. What he's saying is we need to cover them with the love of God and the peace of God. Because the grace of God is what put us in this house today. You're not saved by your works. I'm not saved because of what I've done. I don't care if you pray. 24 hours a day. It's only because the grace of God has surrounded you that you can pray. That's a self-righteous spirit that wants to say that. But it's because I pray. It's because I've lived good. I can't wait till he lets me preach that message on good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Your measuring stick's broke. You're measuring it based on your works. You're measuring it based on the fact that you don't drink and smoke and chew no more. But yet still in your heart, there's doubt, there's unbelief, there's animosity, there's gossip, there's negative, there's lasciviousness. There's things that you and I struggle with in our heart. And what God's saying is, your hours come. It's the 38th year and grace has surrounded you. If you'll let God do what he wants to do, he'll change your world and your family. There's a sheep market. A pool, which is called the Hebrew tongue. Here's another reason I lead credence to it. That sheep market is where the sheep come in for the sacrifices for the priest. It's also called the sheep gate. It's where Jesus was going to be led to Pilate's hall. There's a reason. He's setting the stage, letting them know. I'm fixing to come back this way again. But the next time I come, I'm going to give you a glimpse. I'm going to give you a glimpse of my grace before it actually is manifested. He ain't died yet. But he's saying, I'm coming back again. I'm going to give you a glimpse. You tell me God don't play favorites, and I'll tell you you're wrong. He's no respecter of person, brother. He's no respecter of persons. I get that. But you hear me. He's a respecter of hunger. And the hungrier you are And the more you do something with that hunger The more heaven's going to look down on you I believe this man I don't believe he was a reprobate I believe he was a man that was struggling With an infirmity in his body A weakness in his mind A weakness in his body But God never gave up on him He never threw in the towel on him He stopped time He stopped dispensations And he stepped in and said I tell you what There's a certain man That's been laying there a long time And I'm ready to do a miracle for him. He says, I come by this old dirty pool. You tell me God don't love you and I. God will go through great lengths to make sure you're saved. To make sure 
you find the peace of God, the hope of God, the joy of the Lord. He will do everything in his power to make sure that you're surrounded by an enveloping cloud of grace that if you want it, it will be given to you. And he proves it by this old dirty sheep pool. You think them sheep didn't pass by? Suck up a little water? Put their own nasty mouth and snot? But that's what I want to get into. And they're all waiting. Five porches, five is grace. Bethesda, grace. He's surrounded. Next verse. In these lay a great multitude, blind, halt, withered, waiting for the move. Now here's the kicker. We're going to go fast. Get ready, Sister Tanya. They're waiting. And many of the Jewish, the rabbis say, there was really something supernatural that would happen in that water. That if you could be the first one in, don't tell me God don't look at determination and, and, and assertiveness. And if it mattered here, it matters in grace. And they're waiting for the waters to be moved. Next verse. And an angel went down a certain season. Here it is. Only a certain time would the waters be troubled. I don't know about you, but that's absolutely depressing. <laughs> Come on, Joe. Are you with me? That is just depressing. Okay, let's put it in our terms. I'm coming to church Sunday, June the whatever it is, 4th, 5th, 6th, 8th. I'm coming today. Maybe I'll get my miracle. If I don't, I'll come back Wednesday. But when Jesus came and Pentecost came, the pool was done away with. You ain't got to wait for the miracle. You're surrounded by grace. If I stay in his grace, if I stay in his favor, if I stay pleasing unto the Lord, the grace of God will pick me up when I can't pick myself up. The grace of God will help me when I don't feel like God's moving. I'm not looking at a water no more. I'm looking to Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of my faith. I'm looking to him. Is his face changing? Is he making a reference that he's about to come in my direction? I tell you what this, I'm not going to wait for that. I'm going to praise him anyhow. I'm going to worship him by faith but what about my mental state I'm battling in my mind I'm battling in my spirit I'm, a pray, I'm oppressed I'm depressed I'm fearful I'm, I got anxiety I got folks that is where we live today so I told you right, we don't deal with crack no more and cocaine it's still there but that ain't our problem our problem is people want to kill themselves because of mental things that we can't fix. I'm going to preach about it Wednesday night if the Lord be willing. I'm going to talk to you about the mind. And he gave me some insight, Brother Sherman, of how that mind is. It was never the will of God for us to be facing the mental stuff that we're facing. It was never the will of God for us to be facing this stuff. Because in that surrounding of grace, there's healing for the mind. There's healing for the spirit. There's healing for everything you've been through. If I can stay Musicians, y'all get ready. I'm about to close. And the angel went down. Season. It was the season. Troubled the water. Whosoever was first. Now, I can't move like I used to could move, Brother Langley. 
I wish I could. Boy, I used to be, I'm telling you, I could jump hurdles. I was agile, man. Whew. My legs would come up so high. I was fast. Thank you, Sister Claudia. Somebody say, yeah, I believe that, Ben. What? Once upon a time, I tried bringing that leg over. Now you're going to put me in a contortionist fit. They have to call paramedics. Sister Carmen, I could do it. Whoa. And there was another element about me. See, that's why I don't buy in all this competitive sports stuff. You, you, you're fueling a pleasure. Let's be competitive for the things of God in our own self. And I'm careful with that term, but here's my point. That was a competition. And it was whoever could get in the water first got the miracle. I doubt if there's a group of people. Now, it says there's blind, halt. I mean, that'll be everybody. I doubt they were courteous to the elders. I doubt. And folks, here's where we are. Disrespect for one another. Fighting over things that don't matter instead of fighting for things that do matter. It just don't matter. Some things just don't matter. And we fight and we're a wart on our brain. Eat all our nails off, lose our hair, lose our appetite over stuff that don't matter. Here's what matters. I'm surrounded by grace. And if I can keep my heart in alignment with relationship with God, there ain't nothing God can't do. God can heal my mind. I, I go as far, I believe this with all my heart, brother. My, I believe, they, I've already heard the reports. Musicians, y'all really come. I'm serious. I'm going to go into that. I ain't preaching two weeks. Brother Mike, I heard the report. They said that COVID vaccination, the MR, the RNA uh, affected the DNA and the ribonucleotides of the guanine and thionine. And I go, yeah. But then there's another part of me, Sister Gray, Sister Gail rises up in me. And if they with a vaccine, if it be true, it's what I preach for years. If they with the manipulating of medicine can change the DNA of somebody, you think God can't change your DNA? You got a strand in your DNA that your daddy was a drunk. Your daddy was a wife beater. Your daddy was abusive. Your family was the problem of the church. Your family was this in the neighborhood. You think God can't reach in and take that guanine strand out of you and put a divine moment in you. And that's what surrounded by grace can do. But unbelief says, nah, that ain't never going to happen. That's a bunch of fairy tale believing. You believe it all you want. But I believe the Holy Ghost can do anything. Anything. That you will let it. I'm not contradicting Brother Hughes. Stand with me. I'm not contradicting Brother Hughes. Brother Hughes went to the core of this thing. The core of it's our flesh. I'll talk more about it later. But he went to the core of the flesh. But when you get the Holy Ghost, if you'll discipline that flesh and crucify that flesh, the Holy Ghost will have a better ability to work in me and your life. He dealt with the nutty gritty of just our stinking humanity. I'm here today dealing with the divinity. 
the grace of God can go wherever you go. Next verse. A certain man was there, had in front of me 38 years, unsaid all that. Next verse. And when Jesus saw him lie, he knew he'd been there a long time in that case and said unto him, Will thou be made whole? God always will ask you a question first. And you've heard me preach this from the rooftop. God never asked a question that he already got an answer to. So here today, he's asking the question to somebody. Will you allow the grace that we're walking in, the freedom and liberty, will you allow it to have a perfect work in you? Through the filling of the Holy Ghost, if you've never gotten it today, you can be filled, being baptized in Jesus' name. The work of the Spirit on the heart, circumcision of the heart. Or maybe it's just some saint of God. That's discouraged, unbelief, lack of faith today. God just asking, do you see what's around you? I could take this to Hebrews. I, again, I could preach another hour. Hebrews, we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. What's the witness? That word witness translates martyr, Brother Sean. What were they martyred for? They knew grace could keep them no matter where they went. If they take me to a stake and crucify me, grace will be there with me. If I'm in the valley low, grace will be there with me. If I'm in the midst of a storm, grace will be there with me. It don't matter where I go, His grace will be sufficient. Next verse, and we're closed. The man answered, the man answered, said, Sir, I have no man when the water's troubled. I can't. Here it is. And here's what God's saying today Can you get beyond the excuses? Now, you can't see this in your Bible, but it goes red letter, black letter, red letter, back and forth. Next verse. And Jesus said, you need to delete, Jesus said unto him. Delete that out of your brain. Go back to verse 7. And the man, man said, sir, I have no man. Water's trouble. Here's the excuse. Next verse. Rise up and walk. Jesus did not even pause to give him the answer he said I don't want to hear your excuses well I can't live for God because my husband won't I can't live for God you're surrounded by grace now I'm going to be real sharp if you're lost it's your own fault but what better yet than to let what grace has surrounded us with Take advantage of it. There's no addiction that God can't break. There's no habit that God can't help you. I'm going to add to Brother Hughes' part. You say, well, what do I do with my humanity? You pray for strength. When you can't do what you're supposed to do and you're struggling in yourself, pray for strength. Paul said it, that which I know to do, I don't do. That which I know I shouldn't do, I do. And there's a war in my members. Paul understood it. Give me strength to die daily. Jesus said, just get up and walk. And from that very moment, the man was healed. He was surrounded by grace. He got asked a question. And Jesus responds, knowing the answer, what he was going to say. Just get up. Because I want to show people before this thing really changes, I'm going to give people a glimpse. Now, if he did that for one man out of time, God's in time, but just let me say it, out of time, dispensational time, then you think God can't move into your time? 
and do something extra special just for you. You've been faithful. You've waited. You've tarried. You've done everything you know to do. And God's saying, today, I'm going to show you you're surrounded by grace and I'm going to step into your world and I'm going to change what you can't change on your own. Is there anybody here other than this preacher today that says, I need that kind of touch from heaven today? Stretch your hands to heaven right now. Come on, lift your voice right now. I'm fixing to open these altars, but I want us right now. Come on, if doubt has come into your mind and you're questioning whether it's going to happen, ask God to forgive you right now. God, forgive me of what I've done. Forgive me of what I've said. Forgive me of unbelief. Forgive me of things, God, that I should have never done. God, forgive me today. Forgive me today. Come on, talk to him in your way right now. Come on, people are talking to the Lord right now. Come on, just close your eyes. This is individual. You're like the certain man by the pool. I'm saying I'm about to wake something up in you. Come on, talk to him right now. I'm fixing to open these altars, but I want you to talk to him right now because I want this step of faith to be a conscientious step of faith. I'm not just doing it because God wants I have to. I'm doing it because I want something more. I need God to work in my family. Somebody can leave here with a measure of grace that goes home with you and changes your whole family. Come on, if you need it in your family today, step out of that pew, step into that aisle, and together let's come as a family. Feel the presence of God in this place. Fear's gotta go. That anxiousness gotta go. Come on, lift your hands, lift your voice right now. Come on, talk to him in your own way. Husband, talk to God right now. Wife, talk to God right now. You need an element of grace to come where you are. You need an element of joy. It's here today. And it's in the Holy Ghost that it's going to happen. It's not going to come because of fancy singing. It's not going to come because of a fancy altar. It's going to come because your need has come before the Lord.